Enough with that for the real reason you guys came today. Our guest speaker for today is a man who needs little introduction. He is deeply loved and honored by the church around the world. Uh, and God has raised him up in this hour and in this generation to call the people of God to live holy unto him. He is a man who does not forget God in his sermons. He does not erase hell when preaching the gospel. He sticks to the basics and is multiplying disciples all over the world. But above all else, he's a man who, is, who has a crazy love for Jesus. Please give a warm welcome to Francis Chan. This is so fun. Isn't this fun? It's weird, huh? Like I'm speaking in English in Korea. Um, this is so good, so good, so good to be with you guys. Man, I, I don't know, you, you know, a lot of times before I speak, um, I'll just look at the crowd, I'll just watch the crowd for, for a couple reasons. One is, um, I like to pray for the people I'm speaking to, because sometimes I'll just walk in and be so focused on my message that I don't even think about the people that I'm giving it to. And, I, and, and so a lot of times I'll just look at the crowd and say, God, help me love them. Because it's not that I don't like you, it's just I, I don't know you. And I'm a very selfish person. I don't naturally just look at someone and think, I love that person. You know, I don't know if you do. I mean, if you, do, then that's great and you can judge me, but I, I don't naturally think about others, I think about myself, and so part of my sermon preparation is looking at people and saying, God, give me a love for them, even as I'm speaking, help me, even right now, God, help me to just really care, I don't want to just give a sermon, like I, I want to love you and I want to think, what's the most loving thing I can say for you, what's the most loving thing I can do for you, when we all enter in and gather as a church body, we should all be thinking that, God, help me to love these people I'm going to run into, you've given me some sort of spiritual gift to build others up in this room, so, so use that, God, because I love them, I care for them, and I want something I do or say, a handshake, a smile, whatever, to be a blessing to them and to encourage them. And uh, I, I don't know if you, so I, I, I was looking at you, but what was nice was, I don't know if you noticed, um, on these monitors up here, uh, just on the front ones, they're filming you. And sometimes, you know, like during the worship, because I'm sitting up front, so I see this. And did you see that? You notice that? There's just like a camera. I don't know where it is, but it, it, it just kind of films you. And so I'm up there watching you guys. And it's, it's weird because you, uh, you can tell that you can't tell you're being filmed. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great thing, but it's kind of weird. You know, I watched, you know, some people were yawning, you know, during the worship, like, 
I was like, oh, this excited crowd, you know, others are, you know, like a girlfriend would walk in, hi, you know, and, and, you know, and all the while I'm just watching different people's expressions. And it was cool because, you know, just to see the different nationalities in the room, you know, see, see maybe some of you are new to this and you're kind of looking around and you're a little freaked out by it. Others are just worshiping with all their hearts. But, I'm, but isn't it weird that I was watching you and you didn't even know it? That's a weird feeling, huh, to think, now what if you knew the camera was on you and I was watching you at that moment? Just think about it. I mean, you might have made a face, you might have done something, or you might have just pretended you were deeply in worship, or whatever. But it, it, it occurred to me, I thought, that's the way it is right now. Like, God is watching me. And so often, I don't think about that. Like... The Lord's watching me right now. Like, like Psalm 139, he, it says, He knows my thoughts from afar. He sees when I sit. He knows when I rise. So he watched me sit down right there. He knew the thoughts that were going on through my mind. And, and sometimes I'm so oblivious to that. Like God is watching me right now. And, and how different we are when we know that we're being watched, you know? I mean, it has nothing to do with my sermon, but I, I just was thinking, well, I guess it does, kind of. Okay, <laughs> I, I meant to say that, because the, the passage, it, it's interesting, the passage I'm teaching tonight is Second Chronicles 16.9. Gosh, that fits perfectly. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth. Like the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro the earth. Why did I say it doesn't go with my sermon? It's perfect. Um, God's looking, that verse says. He's looking for someone whose heart is fully committed to him so that he can strongly support him. That right now the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro the earth, searching, looking to strongly support he whose heart is blameless toward him. Isn't that a crazy thought? That God is actively looking right now. Like, like just like I was going, watching you on that camera, that, those are, that's, that would be like the eyes of the Lord. Looking around, but he's not looking at the externals. Because you could be going, yeah, yeah, you know, but in your mind thinking about something else. God's looking at your heart, going, whose heart is blameless? That's a crazy thought. Like right now, God on his throne with all those angels and all of his glory, all-powerful God, the God who spoke the world into existence. He's done this before, where he looks at the whole earth and says, man, I'm grieved that I made them all, except for that guy, except for Noah. You know, let me kill everyone else. I'm going to save Noah. It's the eyes of the Lord. You know, the eyes of the Lord looking around the earth, and, and he spots Job, right? And says, look, okay, how about Job? How about Job? No one, there's no one like him. I see what he's doing. And isn't that a crazy thought that that could still happen today, that right now God could be looking and go, Francis, uh, you know, and I, and I wish that was me. I want to be that person because it says he's, he's looking to strongly support him whose heart is blameless toward him. The eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro the earth. He's looking right now, going, who's really committed to me in this room? Who, who's that one I want to strongly support? Because you know, in this book, when God strongly supports someone, 
You see it with David. David and Goliath, you see his strong support of Daniel in the lion's den. You see his strong support of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, in that, in that fiery furnace. You see the support of God. You see some of the things that Paul made it through. You see the things that Elijah was able to do. You see when he was with Moses. You see, when he was with Joshua, and you go, God, I want to be one of those people. Because it doesn't matter how big the army is, if you've got the support of God, you're, you're fine. It's, it's, it's all good. Everything's taken care of. So I, I hope it's all of our goals to be that person. Say, God, strongly support me. I... Uh, I love that verse. In fact, my, my wife had it painted on our wall, Second Chronicles 16.9. And I, so I read it almost every day for, you know, a year or two. But the crazy thing is, do you know the story behind that? Do you know the context of that verse? Second Chronicles 16.9. I had it painted on my wall, and I loved the verse, but I didn't know the context of it. And what makes that verse so great is the context of when that verse was spoken. It, it was spoken, you read about it in uh, the, the previous chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Turn there if you, if you have your Bibles with, with you, and I hope that you do. 2 Chronicles 6, 15 says... It's about the king, it's about, let me back up. It's about King Asa. I don't know if you know anything about King Asa, but this is such an interesting life to me. King Asa was awesome, okay? In the beginning of chapter 15, you've got a prophet who, uh, who you know, the Spirit of God comes upon Azariah, son of Oded, and, and he starts speaking to King Asa. He says to this king, he goes, look, he goes, look, there's times in Israel's history when God wasn't really with them, you know, in the sense that they, they, they just weren't, their hearts weren't there, they, they just seemed somewhat devoid of God. And then there's other times when there's a, a solid leader and God blesses them, and when, when, when they walked in his commands, God would bless them, and when he, they walked away from God, they, they felt the curse of God. So his whole message to this king, his, the whole message to the king is verse 7, he says, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And then in verse 8, it says, As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage. Okay, so, so it's this prophet that's saying, Hey, listen, there may be some things you've got to do to turn this thing around. And I'm telling you, take courage. And so at that moment, it says, the moment he heard it, King Asa goes, I'm taking courage. It was that moment, I took courage. I, I was thinking about that phrase today, because I've never thought about that phrase, take courage. Sometimes I just think a person's either courageous or they're not. But I realize that's not true in my life. There are moments when I take courage. You know what I'm talking about? You, you know, there's some people that just seem like they're always fearless, but then there's the rest of us who... We're, we're pretty cowardly. But then every once in a while, you just know this is one of those moments. 
I gotta just rise up, man. I am scared to death, but forget it. For some reason, at this moment, I'm gonna take courage. I'm gonna take that courage that I know God has given me. God didn't give me some spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of power and love and self-control. So you know what? I'm gonna take that. And that's what Paul had to remind Timothy. Take that courage. The early believers were constantly praying, God, give us more courage. When we gather together, what, we're, what are we supposed to do? According to Hebrews 10, it says, encourage one another. Okay? Paul says when, when we, to, the Romans, uh, to the Roman church, he says, man, I, I, I want to get together with you guys so we can mutually encourage one another. Have you ever even thought about that word encourage? The fact that it has the word courage in it? Did you ever notice that? I didn't notice it for years. And I'm like, oh, courage. I just think, oh, be nice. Oh, your hair looks nice. But that, that's not what he's talking about. That word encourage, I mean, your hair looks nice. But it, it, what he means is, man, when we get together, we're supposed to give courage to one another. Where you walk out and you go, you know what, I can do this thing. I can do this. I, I, I can pull this off. Man, and I am praying that tonight, that this is not just another sermon, that we are not just wasting time here. Like, I want to walk out of this room and go, I've got more courage than I walked in with. And I want you to walk out of here going, man, I've got more courage than when I walked in. Man, I want you to believe that that can happen. Seriously, don't, do you, do you really believe that tonight we could actually experience God himself like he could put courage into us yeah like in Acts 4 when they prayed and it says suddenly everyone walked out and they were more bold they were more bold for the gospel they were filled with the spirit and greater boldness to preach the gospel and I'm going God, I want something like that to happen tonight I don't even care about the next service right now right now with us right here like, I want that to happen, and, and we have to, when we pray, we have to believe that that can happen, like that we could experience God. Because honestly, I don't want another message where people walk away and go, oh, that was pretty good, or oh, I didn't really like this part, or this. I, 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 man, I'm just too old for that, seriously, you know? I think when I was younger, it was cool to just go give a message and have people like it. I think when I was younger, it was cool when people would walk away convicted, but I'm looking at myself and I'm just going, man, I'm 46 years old. And you know what? I just feel like that, that clock is ticking. And I'm looking at my life and I go, man, is this a good use of this hour? Because I don't know how many hours I have left. Is this a good use of this week being here in Seoul? Because I'm calculating my life. To me, I'm, I'm going, okay, I'm 46. And I just take the number 60. You know, I, I take the number 60 because I have so many friends who died before 60. And I have a lot of friends that have lived past 60. None of my parents, you know, I've had four parents because they, they keep dying. And uh, none of them have made it to 60. And so I go, okay, let's just take that number. Let me just take that and, and say there's a 50-50 chance I'll make it to 60. I don't know what the Lord's will is. I know the Bible says that before I was even born, that, that he, he knew my days before even one of them came to be. That means when I was born, it's like he, he, he stamped an expiration date on this body. I don't know what it is. Could be, it could be today. I kind of don't want to know. I kind of do. But I don't, you know what I mean? 
So I'm just going to, so I just, I just lately have been taking that H6 angle. You know what, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to shoot for. I'm just going to look at that. And the reason why is I want to start making decisions and say, okay, if I have 14 years left on this earth, and then I'm going to stand before this throne and this holy God in all of his glory, like I'm going to see him, and I won't care about anything else on the earth, like I won't be thinking about the stuff. Okay, I'm going to see him in 14 years. Okay, how do I prepare for that? And I start looking at it. Okay, so is this a good use of this year? As I think about 2013, okay, a couple months left. I, I, I start looking at my life and go, okay, is this a good use of it? And so I come to times like this and I go, okay, I don't want this to blow by and go, what did I even do? I go, God, please, please move, God. God, please move during this time. I don't want to waste another moment. I want to believe that as I'm speaking right now, as I open up the word of God to you, that something real can happen and that, I could, that if this were the last day of my life, I imparted something to you supernaturally from the Holy Spirit. This isn't Francis trying to manipulate you into something. The Bible says that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit of God and that he has given me a spiritual gift. This is not a Francis speaking gift. This, is, this goes way beyond that. Like he empowers us. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. And he gave me a gift of teaching to build up the body of Christ. So it should be pretty powerful if it's really of the Holy Spirit. And so I say, God, that's what I want tonight. I want that type of thing. I want that type of courage to be placed upon us. See, King Asa, when, when that prophet spoke, suddenly he took courage. I'm going, God, could that happen right now? Like, could I say these words and at that very moment, suddenly, you're more courageous? And it's not about just a feeling or something like that. There's a result. Because what happens is he took courage and he put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin. He just started doing things. This king, he hears the word of the Lord. He hears that he needs to take courage. He goes, you know what? I know this is not going to be popular, and I know a lot of you are going to hate me, but you know what? We're going to get rid of every single idol in this place. Let's start tearing them down. Then he starts looking at the altar of the Lord. He says, you know what? Why is that broken? That needs to be repaired. And we need to start sacrificing again. And they have a giant sacrifice and then he gets all the people together. He says, look, we've been going through the motions. We've been calling ourselves Israel and the children of God. You know what? But enough of that. Let's do the real thing. He says, now we're going to make a commitment to love the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our souls. And he just makes all of them make a commitment to that. In fact, it's so strong that in, in verse uh, 13, he says, whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death. Young or old man or woman, he goes, we're not messing around here. I, I, I'm in charge now, and this is what we're going to do. I mean, you talking about taking courage. That, that's, that's some serious courage. But then in verse 16, it says, Even Maka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook. So even, this is how courageous this guy was. 
He looks at his mom and says, Mom, you're no longer the queen. Why do you have that idol in your house? Why do you have that Asherah pole right there? That's disgusting. So he has it cut down, burned up, and he says, and you're no longer the queen. Okay, this is King Asa. He was a heart that was committed to God. I love that. And so as a result of that, in verse 19, it says, there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Man, don't you want to be a guy like that? Don't you want to be a person like that? Where you just go, okay, I just heard the word of the Lord. Things need to change. This, this is what I pray for, even here in Korea. There are things that need to change in the church. I, I, I love this church, this church specifically. Um, I've been so accepted by this church. I actually preached in this English ministry like four or five years ago or something like that. And, uh, but then I came back to Onary Church about two years ago. It was right after Pastor Ha died. And um, then I came again last year and I'm back again this year. And I remember the f two years ago when I came to speak, I was so intimidated, right? Because this is the Korean church, right? And those of us that are from America, we're like, we almost like worship the Korean church in some ways. We hear about the prayers that went out. We hear about the spread of the church and go, man, there's nothing like that place. And, and you guys get up at crazy hours to pray. And uh, I remember the first time I went to speak at a Korean church was down in L.A. And they asked me to speak at 5 a.m. <laughs> I go, I've never spoken at 5 a.m. You know, I said yes, but it was like a week-long prayer thing. So I thought, okay, Koreans, you're not so tough. I'm going to get there early just to show them, right? And so I get there at four, and they're all there already. <laughs> Seriously, the whole sanctuary was about this size. There was not a single seat in there. An hour early, they were warming up for their prayer service. Moms are holding their babies, you know, kids in both arms, people out in the parking lot. I'm going, what in the world? I, I mean, I had never seen anything like that in America, you know? And, and so the next day, man, I, I brought a, a camera crew with me because I, I had to show my church. You know, it's like, you know, you ever, you know, those of you who are parents, you ever, when you see someone else's kid who's really well-behaved, it makes you mad at your own. You know, that's what I was feeling like, man, my stupid church. You know, <laughs> I can't get them, you know, it's six at night. It's just like, so I brought the, the camera crew and I'm like, man, come film this. I got to show it to the church on Sunday, you know, because we went all week with this church. And then Sunday morning, I showed it to my church and I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Look at these guys. They're running into, I mean, literally, you see them running trying to get a seat at 4 a.m. in the sanctuary. And we're just filming this going, this is weird. This is crazy. And, uh, but praise God, because of that example, I told the church, we're going to do it. We're going to do the same thing. We'll, we'll do it at like 4.55. You know, we'll, we'll, I, I'm very competitive. And, uh, and it was so cool. To see a bunch of people coming to the church. Our church was packed. We went to the overflow room all week long. You know, at 5 a.m. in the morning, I go, man, 
Thank you, thank you. Praise God, the example of the Korean church. So I come here that first year and I'm going, man, I gotta talk to these people. This is where they all came from. And it's gotta be like, wait, wait, you know. And and I had just an amazing experience. It was great. And then, um, then the second year I came, it was interesting because then I, everyone was so warm and nice and we got to know each other. And, and you know what happens when you get closer to someone? You start seeing some of the blemishes, right? And, uh, and, and what was cool was as I started sharing some of my concerns, man, there was a real humility here. And I, I thought, wow, this is crazy. I said some pretty harsh things. I mean, I, I, I shared last year, I said, you know, I'm concerned because there's such a move towards success. And the young people, where are they going? And, 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 and I hear rumors of, of how some of you don't want your children to become missionaries. Even though you respect those missionaries of the past, you don't want your own kids to be missionaries. Because you want them to make more money and be more successful. I said, I even hear that some of you don't even want your kids in church. Because you need them to study so they can make it in the university, so they can make more money and be more successful. And I, and I said, and I hear about the marriages. And I hear that husbands don't really love their wives, a lot of them. That the Bible says that we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church so that, that people would look at the way that we treat our wives and go, wow, why do you serve her? Why do you wash her feet? Why do you care about her that much? And you can say, because this is what Jesus did for me. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be a picture of Jesus by the way that we love our wives. And I just started hitting things. And you just saw the room going, yeah, yeah. And I started hearing about parents that went home to their kids and said, you know what, I'm sorry, I put too much pressure on you. I started, uh, you know, I mean, just some guys were just very honest with me and said, I held my wife's hand. <laughs> Woo, that was crazy. You know, I mean, it was, but I'm like, yes, you know. That's repentance. You know, even, even, uh, you know, even when I was in Japan, you know, a couple days ago, and I had my daughter up with me, and, you know, I brought her up on stage, and she comes up, hugs me. I mean, it's just, we're just being normal. But, they, you know, they were telling me that was so convicting. I didn't even hear what you said. I just so convicted by seeing you hug and love your daughter. So I went home and tried to hug mine. <laughs> you know, like, it was just, but that's beautiful, you know? That's it's a step. It's where we've got to move. And that's why even this year I'm going, you know what? I think there's more and more. That, because we have to differentiate from what is cultural and what is biblical. Okay? I'm not saying that everything about Korean culture is bad. Of course not. There's some wonderful, wonderful things. So, so biblical in so many ways. But how do we distinguish what's biblical and what's Korean? In the same way, I grew up in a typical Chinese home. And there were some great things I learned from my culture, respect my, my, uh, my elders, to understand, to submit to authority. But then there were other things that I'm going, ah, I don't know. 
I don't see that in the Bible. And then there's a certain flow that we have in America and these dreams and this mindset that it feels like everyone in the country has things that they just go, well, this is obvious. This is common sense. And I'm looking, I'm going, no, this isn't common sense. And I'm not going to conform to the pattern of the world. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to know this book and I'm going to go with it. We started looking at the church and said, well, this is just how we do church. You know, a bunch of people come in a room, look forward, you know, you preach a sermon to them, they go home, we're done. I'm going, I don't know, man. That's not what I see. I know that's the church I built, but I think I might have screwed up. You know? I'm looking at Scripture, and it seemed like they really loved each other. It seemed like they'd give the shirt off their back for one another. If anyone was in need, man, they just would support that person. I'm going, you know what? then I'm going to go there. I'm going to do that. I, I, I got to turn it around. We've got to move that direction and say, you know what, if that's what God says, I'll do it even if everyone hates me for it. See, that was King Asa. He took courage. He heard a message and said, I, I've got to follow this book because I'm going to stand before that God and I really won't care what everyone in America thought of me. I'm going to be thinking, did I follow you? Was I like Job? Was I, was I like Noah? God, you know, did, did, I, did I do it? Did I stand? Was I like King Asa? But the, the terrible thing about the story of King Asa is after those 35 years, in chapter 16, it says in the 36th year of King Asa, an army started coming towards them. And so King Asa does something that you and I probably would have done and thought, no big deal. He, got, he found another king. He found the king of Syria. He goes to the king of Syria, gives him a bunch of gifts and says, hey, why don't you team up with me and let's defeat that king. Come on, my dad and your dad, they were buddies. How about you and me? Let's continue this friendship and let's fight. And so another prophet comes to King Asa in verse 7 of chapter 16. And it says, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. He goes, were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you'll have many wars. See, that's the context of that verse. Was a man who started off his life so on fire, going, man, I am going to do what is right. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Here's what we're going to do. Get rid of all the idols. We're going to rebuild the altar. We're going to start offering sacrifices. Bring your gold into the treasury. Mom, get out of here. You are not the queen. Cut that thing down. Burn it. There's a new king in town. Here's what we're going to do. And do what the Lord says. Oh, here comes a big army. Big deal. God, take care of them. Boom, wipes out these huge armies. God gives them rest for 35 years. But then what happens in the 36th year? He doesn't go back to God when another army comes. He says, oh, I got this because I'm King Asa. I've been doing this for 35 years. I've got friends now. Hey, King of Syria, come over here. You know, my dad, your dad, 
There's a connection there. How about us? Let's go. And God says, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm watching this. My eyes have been going to and fro. And so he sends a prophet and he says, you, you did a very foolish thing. Don't you know that the eyes of the Lord are looking and going, who believes in this room? Who believes? Why do you think you beat the, those other armies? They're way bigger than you. Why do you think you, you beat them? It's because God was with you. And he, his eyes are looking for people like that to strongly support, but you do this stupid thing. And, and, and what, what happens is terrible because after King Asa hears these words, he hears this prophet. Remember the first time he took courage and says, you're right. And I do. This time he doesn't do that. This time he gets mad at the prophet. And he puts him in jail. He puts him in prison. Then he just, you know, throws a tantrum and starts inflicting cruelties on all the people. And so then what the Lord does is he, you know, the Lord gets his attention by giving him a disease in his feet. Maybe now with some physical affirmity, he'll, he'll finally look, look at God and go, okay, okay, I screwed up. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Would you please heal my feet? But that's not what he does. It says he doesn't cry out to the Lord because he's in the spiral. He's just doing things. And so rather than cry out to the Lord, it says that he gets the best physicians. He's the king. And so he says, you know what? Get all the best physicians over here. Have them all work on my feet. I got this. And then it says he died. I go, wow. What a terrible way to live. What a terrible way to end it. You know, because he got in the spiral of, I can do this. I can do this. Give me a king. Give me a doctor. I'm a powerful person. You guys, this happens in scripture so much. It happens so much. It talks about uh, other kings. You know, like I think about the verse in Second Chronicles 26, 16. Um, it's, King Uzziah says, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. When he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. See, this was my concern about Onary Church. It was built at such a wonderful time in the history of Korea. Um, this, this country and what the Lord did in this land, I don't know of that happening anywhere else in my lifetime anyways. Amazing, amazing thing. But now the church in Korea is strong. Onori Church is strong, famous, powerful. And my concern is now, are we going to start looking to some of our resources for the future and say, we have famous people, we have rich people, we've got a lot of people, we even have white people. We've got, uh, we've got all these things. We can bring guys in from the States, you know? And, and I'm going, gosh, don't go there. Go back to that start. Take courage again. Take it to another level, okay? Look at the things that are wrong right now and, and, and move. You know, it was such a blessing to be in Tokyo. The only reason why that event could happen, I mean, was it two nights ago? I'm in Tokyo, over a thousand people worshiping with all their hearts. You know why? Because years ago, the founder of this church, Pastor Ha, said, you know what? This is not right that there's this division between the Koreans and the Japanese. Not in the church. Not in the church. Shouldn't be that way. 
I'm going to go plant a church in Japan. We're going to plant a church in Japan. Do you know how much flack he got for that? But he looked at this book and goes, this isn't right. I know this is the way everyone else thinks, but that is not how, this is not what this book says. We're going to go there, we're going to love on them, we're going to ask for their forgiveness for not forgiving them. I mean, it was crazy stuff where at, at a moment he took courage and said, this is what we're going to do, and then we got to see the fruit of it this week. Going right on, right on, to see a room full of Koreans and Japanese worshiping with one spirit to God. Can you imagine as the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro the earth and he sees that? Going, wow, that's good, that's good. Question is, is, is God calling you to step out in some way? I'm not talking about walking out of here with a feeling of courage. I'm talking about having so much courage that you're actually going to do something where you know there's certain things in this book that you're called to do and you've been afraid to. Man, I know. I know the feeling, man. I grew up in church. I grew up in church and I, and I would read this book. Even as a kid, I would read this book and look at the church and go, ah. Oh. I would look at the other Christians around and people who called themselves Christians and I'd read this book and go, gosh, this seems to say something different about life. But I just kept silent. I couldn't take courage, maybe because I thought I was too young or whatever. I didn't want to, but there was this fire that was burning in me. And it wasn't until I think I was 40, I remember when I turned 40, because that was like a shock, I'm 40, I'm practically dead, you know? <laughs> I just said, blah, I'm going to say everything, I am not backing off, here, I don't even care, kill me, kill me, you know, I don't care, here's what the Word of God says, this is the way we've got to go, this is what true Christianity is about, you know, and, and, and just, man, but it's weird, because you can lose that boldness. And in the midst of that, and all the criticism, and emails, and articles written against, you start going, oh man, uh, you start to lose courage. And even the church starts talking you out of things. And then there's moments when you get back in the Word and say, no, God, I want to take courage again. Man, even right now, I believe during this trip is a time in my life where I'm going, God, I'm taking it all back. I want all the courage back. I want to be a man like King Asa was in the early days. I am not going to go down this way. I am not going to go down, start relying on this or that or anything else. I am not going to just skate by and just survive the rest of my life. I'm going to take courage. And I, I hopefully can encourage you, young or old, man, don't worry about the future and whether or not you're going to be able to keep it up this whole, just for now. Listen to the word of God and take courage because the eyes of the Lord, he's looking to strengthen those who will take courage. God right now is saying, okay, who's going to speak up for me? Who's going to speak? And I want to be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. Send me, I'll do it. I'll do it. What do you got, what do you got to say? What do you want me to say to these people? I, I've, got, I, I've got it, Lord, because I'll do it right now. I, I've got the courage right now. You just gave it to me. Man, I pray that right now you are making those decisions in your mind. Going, I know what God wants me to do. This is not going to be popular, but I've known it for a while. It's been burning in me, and I'm hearing the word of God. And some of you that are older are saying, gosh, I remember when I was younger, I used to be like that.
I, I used to, and then I got successful, and I got this, and I got that, and then I got a family, I got everything else, and now I'm just relying on it, and I want to get back to those early days when I was just focused, and that's what I'm praying for. I don't, I don't know. I don't have an action point for all of you, you know? That's something the Holy Spirit, I believe, is moving in this room and telling people what they need to do whether it's a sin that you've just got to get rid of. That you're going, I know this is not good. Maybe it's a hobby that you focus too much time on, you just go, boom, I know this is not good. Or maybe it's a bigger step than that. Maybe it's a career change, a job change. Maybe for some of you it's breaking off relationships. Maybe for others, it's mending relationships, and it's going to take so much courage. Maybe there's broken relationships between father and daughter. Maybe some of you kids need to reconcile with the parents. Maybe some parents need to reconcile with their kids. I don't know what it is, but I'm begging that you take courage, and I'm going to pray right now. I, I'm going to talk to God right now. Like God's looking right now, and he's going to look down and he's going to see me. He goes, you know what, Francis is actually praying. This time he's praying. Sometimes I just close a sermon and I just start talking. And to, you know, and I'm not thinking about who I'm talking to. We've all done it. Sometimes I'm on a stage praying, supposedly, and um, I'm just still preaching in my prayer. You know, Sometimes guys will pray just so that people can move behind them and get the stage ready. You know? Right now, I'm, I want to pray, and I'm going to come to the presence of God, and he's going to see in my heart that I believe what I'm about to pray, and I'm going to ask for courage in your life to do what you need to do right now. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to impart courage right now to some of you. Courage to some of you. Just like he did to King Asa in the early days. He heard the word, and he took courage. Let's pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, sitting on his throne, high and exalted, the only sovereign one, God. You spoke the world into existence. All breath is given from you. We are all your creation, alive in this room for these few moments, only because of you. No one in this room is living apart from you. We are all borrowing life from you. God, I can only think because you're allowing me to think. I can only speak because you're allowing me to. I can only pray because you're teaching me even now to pray. And it's not even perfect, so your spirit is interceding for me. God, you know what I want. I want to be bold. I don't ever want to back down. I hate, Lord, I hate when I'm a coward. I hate when I know I'm supposed to talk to someone and I don't. God, I just get, I get so mad at myself, Lord, when I get embarrassed of you. It's the stupidest thing I do on this earth, Father. And I'm sorry. God, I want to be bold. 
God, we want to be courageous. God, we in this room are saying we're tired of being cowards and we try in our own flesh. And so we're coming before you right now and saying, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, make us powerful. Make us courageous. Make us bold to where all we see is your face in heaven and, and seek to please you. God, I want to be that person just walking around. Man, and it's going to hurt people. God, you said, Jesus said, he didn't come to bring peace, he came to bring a sword. God, it's going to be tough. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. And God, sometimes I just want to be loved by the world so badly that I deny you. And I chicken out of things, Lord. And we've all done it, Father. And so we're asking for your help, God. We are begging for your help, God. I do not want to end my life a coward. None of us do. Make us courageous, Lord. You gave courage to those early missionaries here in Korea. You gave courage to those early church planters here in Korea. There were moments in life when Pastor Ha took courage and did things that went against the grain. There are moments where Pastor Lee takes courage for this church. And I pray that these people will follow. But God, right now, help us to take courage for whatever it is you've called us to do. Whatever, God. We don't want to live off the past. Give us more faith and boldness than we've ever had, please. By the power of your Spirit, I pray and I believe this is answered because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.